Good evening. Welcome back, and I invite your attention to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. If, if I could make a personal request before I begin, would you include in your prayers our granddaughter, Allison Berkeley, who will be leaving tomorrow for Chicago for basic training in the United States Navy. If you know anything about basic training in any military branch, <clears throat> prayer is appropriate for those people. And we ask that you pray for her. Over the past several Sunday nights, I've preached from your suggested passages. And one is here in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, particularly in verse 1, and I promise to get to that. You always know I'm going to begin with background and context. Remember that in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is inspired by God to write his reflections, similar to a journal someone might write near the end of their life about what they went through and their reflections and leading, in this case, to the conclusion that our earthly life ought to be devoted to fearing God and keeping His commandments. That's the destination. That's where Solomon is headed in writing this book as inspired by God. And for us, hopefully we appreciate that conclusion through Christ, we can be forgiven of our disobedience. We can become engaged in obedience from the heart, starting with repentance and baptism and continuing as faithful, growing disciples of Christ. So one discovers in Ecclesiastes the necessity of fearing God and keeping His commandments. And if you just keep reading after Ecclesiastes, eventually you come to the New Testament that reveals the good news of salvation in Christ. All right. We are in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I'm reading verses 1 through 4. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Now, remember the first time you ever read that. I'm speaking to Bible readers and Bible students tonight. Remember the first time you ever read Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 1. And try to recall your first impression, your first thought, before any in-depth study of context or anything else, just reading Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1. It may be your thought was, I don't know. If I take a slice of bread 
and throw it out into a stream of water, I've wasted good bread. And we think that because there is a sense of care and preservation and good use Christians have about possessions and about food. We are against waste. We are charged by God to be good stewards of what he allows us to have. So why would we take perfectly good bread and throw it away? Well, the next thought that occurs to us is, a writer inspired by God would not recommend waste. A writer inspired by God would not tell us to throw good food away. So there has to be something else here. And then you dig back into the passage and you discover that indeed there is something else in the context that informs what verse 1 is talking about. Now, to do that, you have to take a little time, dig around a little, stop and pause and think and factor in good context. But you know this is not about wasting groceries or wasting anything. We presume, and we are correct in doing so, a writer inspired by God would not recommend waste. So we mark that off and we dig back into the passage and maybe it would be good now to read again verses 1 through 4 and be listening for some connecting links, something that will shed light on that first opening verse. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north and the place where the tree falls, there it will be. I've always thought that to be just a little humorous, but it's absolutely clear, isn't it? There it will be wherever it falls. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Now we have something more to work with. We've already eliminated this is not about waste and we've looked back into the passage and here's the first thing we discover. The writer says you will find it. So that tells us the bread casting referred to in verse 1 is not a waste we are not being told to just throw something away. No, it says you will find it. So that helps some, doesn't it? Whatever casting bread means, it has a good return. It has a good result. This isn't about anybody, Solomon, and certainly not God, recommending waste. So, you've got something now. And so you keep going into verse 2. And in verse 2, I want you to look at the first word in verse 2. Give. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Now we got another part of the picture. 
We have another part of this captured by the first word in verse 2. Give. So we're not just throwing something away. This is not an exercise of waste. This passage is about giving. It's about generosity. And then in verse 2, we can add another element to the giving. It is giving with a view toward future need. Do you see how important it is to not just read a verse and then wander off somewhere and use your imagination to figure out what it means, but rather to stay in the context and let the context inform your understanding. This is about giving that has return. Giving as much as you're able to give to find it later. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Let me stop there before we continue to build our understanding. I don't believe Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 is a standalone verse. You've heard me say many times, I don't believe there is any standalone verse in the Bible. The verses are all connected. Every verse has a context. So if I want to understand the casting in verse 1, I need to just keep reading. And when I do that, I discover that the casting is giving, it is giving that has return, it is giving with a view toward future need, because you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Now, the next thing I'm going to say may sound funny at first, but be patient with me. I'm beginning to see in this passage, as I look at the context, something like not the same as, but like life insurance. Not specifically, but something like insurance against future risk. When we take out insurance policies and we pay those high premiums, what are we doing? We are putting money aside against the possibility of future risk. I could be an insurance salesman right here. Not my task, but I could do it right here. When we take out insurance policies and we pay those high premiums, what are we doing? We are putting money aside against the possibility of future risk, future need. In the case of death, it's absolutely certain. Paul and I pay extremely high life insurance premiums on policies we took out many years ago. And as those premiums increase, we think the insurance company knows something we don't know. When we make those premium payments, we don't consider that to be a waste. We are not casting bread out to never see it again. We are giving toward future need. And we know that we will find it again after many days. Or maybe our kids will find it. Solomon may not have conceived specifically what we call insurance policies, but here's the concept. The concept is clearly signaled in the context. Giving without immediate return, but you will find it 
after many days. Make it seven. Make it eight if you can. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. You're giving today. You're putting something aside for future need. Well, what could happen in the future? Verse 3. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Now, do you have a way to deal with storms that may come in the future? Do you have access to that seven or that eight you can put aside for future need? Verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. I want you to imagine a farmer getting up in the morning and saying with the tone of lazy disappointment, Well, it could rain. The wind is blowing. I'm not going to sow anything today. Not going to put any seed out. And at harvest time, it may be raining anyway, and I may not be able to reap, so I'm not going to give anything or put any work in today because you don't know what may happen. See, that, that, that isn't wise. Mature. Responsible. In fact, it's a setup for loss. If you get up and say, well, something might happen, I'm not going to do anything. No, there's something you can do about future need. You get up every day and you do what you're able to do with excellence to the best of your ability, the highest point of energy you can have within you. One reason you do that is with reference to future need. So, I believe these four verses have a theme. And it is giving... Being as generous as you can be today, though there might not be an immediate reward, but believing it will come back to you later. Believing in a latter time, you'll need what you've given, what you've set aside today. Now stay with me. There's more we can add to this. The Jewish people in that time before Christ, were commanded to leave part of their fields unharvested. They were commanded to leave part of their fields unharvested. And references made to this in Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard, you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Now, when the Jewish farmer left a portion of his land unharvested, was that a waste? No, first, God said, do that to the Jewish farmers. Second, God gave a reason for the poor. I think that connects to what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 11, at least in part or in principle. The phrase, casting bread on waters, is to be understood through the context of giving with a view toward future need. 
And here we discover it may not just be your need. It may be you're sharing with someone else who is hit by disaster, a flood, the windstorm that falls the tree. When you put back something in view of future need, it comes back to you. When you're able to respond to your need or your brother's need or your neighbor's need. When I do this kind of giving in advance or saving for future need, it's a form of generosity that isn't waste, it is wise. It is generosity that may not have an immediate tangible return you can see, but it will come back to you. There is future need in generosity that you engage in now. The words of Jesus plug into this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. I read this as I did my research. This is from uh, Philip Ryken in his commentary on Ecclesiastes. In biblical times, it was customary for a family to share a feast with neighbors in need. For example, when Ezra read the law of God in Jerusalem and the people celebrated, Nehemiah told them, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. Nehemiah 8 verse 10. To give a portion then is to share the good things of this life to share, seven portions would be the height of generosity, but if you can do eight, that's even more. So the generosity and sharing that God expects His people to engage in is never a waste, even if there is no immediate return, for you will find it after many days. I want you to listen again to Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 4, and then I'm going to take us to another level of spiritual application. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Let's make another application. Let's go higher. Are you ever discouraged in your efforts to lead people to the gospel of Christ? You ever discouraged about personal evangelism? You have those conversations with non-Christians... Maybe you open the Bible and study with them and it seems to go nowhere. And the temptation is to think that that was wasted effort. That it was like throwing bread on the water to never see it again and have no return. And so then the temptation that enters in after that is to quit because I've talked to all these people about the gospel and I've invited them to services and I've studied the Bible with them and it's wasted effort. No, it's not. You're sowing 
seed. You're doing exactly what God asked you to do. You're giving of yourself to sow seed, and you may not see an immediate return, but number one, you did what God said. And number two, that seed, though it may not germinate before your very eyes, can later have its good work in the person that you introduced God's Word to. That's the higher level of application of generosity today that may not have an in-your-face immediate return, but there's value in it tomorrow. That's the idea. Let's go to another level. Think of this as generosity that does not have an immediate return, but in the future it does. And think about this. You come to these Sunday evening services, and you look around and you say, well, there wasn't, wasn't many people there. I just don't know, is this a waste of time? It is never, ever a waste of time to open this book and read and study what God says. There may not be an immediate return, but as you apply what the Word of God says, there is return in the future. See, that's, that's you investing yourself, your time, your energy, your mental thought now that will have return later. That's what I believe this passage is about. Cast your bread upon the waters and you will find it after many days. You can do things now that are generous and investments that you may not see an immediate return on. But if you're sowing the seed of the gospel, and if you're investing your mind in absorbing the word of God on a Sunday night among about 20 people, there will be a return. Here's what I found as I did my additional research into the text. A very well-known writer that some of you were probably asked to read many years ago in high school or college took this and paraphrased it. And I think the paraphrase works. Cast your bread upon the waters... And after many days, it will come back buttered. Think about all this in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. Let's be standing as we sing. every blessing to my heart to say.